I invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Kings, chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. 2 Kings, chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. As Pastor Audrey entered us into, um, into 2 Kings last week and, you know, gave me just a little bit of a hard time about the text I skipped, um, today we pick up as we continue in 2 Kings, and this is a moment of transition in the narrative of 1st and 2nd Kings. Earlier in 1st Kings, Elijah was directed by the Lord to anoint Elisha as his successor. And then Elijah went to Elisha and he put his cloak upon him. And in that moment, elected him as his successor. But from that point forward, Elisha has essentially been the protege and the apprentice of Elijah. Elisha has followed Elijah, but today is the true transition point where Elijah is called up to heaven, and the ministry of prophet continues in a full way with Elisha. And so as we engage this transition in the narrative of kings, We'll read along in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, but before we do so, let's pray. Speak, O Lord, for your servants listen. Lord, we listen for the speaking of your Holy Spirit, illumining the scriptures to us, bringing your word to us both as living and active, judging the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Lord, speak by your Holy Spirit through your word, that where we are complacent, we may be challenged. Where we are hesitant, we may be encouraged. Where we are weak, we may be strengthened. And where we are headstrong, we may be given healthy pause. Lord, speak, for your servants listen. Speak by your Holy Spirit to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 2 Kings 2, verses 1 through 14. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. 
and the water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over on dry ground. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was in high school, I had some friends who were really, really smart. And as you can imagine, this worked out really well for me. It is great to sit next to someone like my friend Jason in calculus because Jason went on to study math and become a math professor. It's great to be in a biology lab group with people like my three friends Jason and Josh and Rick And here's why, because all three of them were really smart. Jason was my lab partner, and Josh and Rick were the other two at the table. And Rick went on to be an engineer. And so when we had lab procedures of technical, complicated process, he understood procedure. He had a mind for process and how to make things work. Josh went on to study uh, biology at Harvard before going to medical school, And so when it came to anything biology, he was just kind of a whiz-bang. He just knew what was going on. He could see the big picture and know what we were supposed to be up to. And, of course, Jason, the mathematician, could take all of our lab data and our results and, and essentially know what to do with it. Now, this might leave one question of those four people. Stephen, what did you bring to the table? I have really steady hands. So when it came to doing things like, okay, put five milliliters with this micropipette in here and get this little microscope lens ready, all of that stuff, I I didn't really know what I was doing, but if Jason and Josh and Rick told me what to do, I knew I could do it really, really well. And so I was, you know, not very intelligent, but useful, like a Labrador. And so it was that the four of us had an amazing lab group because we had all of these different strengths. They knew what was going on, and if I wasn't lighting things on fire with a Bunsen burner, I could be really helpful. But sometimes, I don't know if he was serious or just trying to mess with me, my friend Jason would say, you know, I think it's time for me to get a new lab partner. And I was like, but I have steady hands. What would you do without me? But actually... It made me really nervous to think that if I wasn't in that lab group, I would have no idea what to do. I was clueless sometimes, and I knew I couldn't do it on my own, and I wasn't sure if anyone else would be able to help me in the same way that Jason and Josh and Rick could. 
And so whenever Jason would, would just kind of suggest or hint or threaten, I don't know, um, about getting a new lab partner, I would do the one thing that I knew in high school how to do really well. I would quote Star Wars. And I would say, R2, don't leave me, which is a quote from Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Vicki Rasich knows this well. Don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Because I will be lost without you. I don't know how I would accomplish these tasks or go on without you. And it filled me with just a little bit of fear to think about being left behind. And this is a very normal human fear. With very few exceptions, we all have this instilled in us, this fear of being left behind or left out or separated from someone we love. This is the instinctive fear of an infant when separated from its mother. There is fear. This is the adolescent fear and anxiety that we learn when we're not sure if we're in the in-group or the out-group and we don't like to be left out. This is that heightened awareness that can lead to problems when no one actually intentionally excluded us, but we feel left out. And so we make accusations and, and we feel put on the outside, even if there was no malicious intent. This is the same fear that we experience in intimate relationships when we're worried that we're going to lose someone that we love. This is some of what Elisha is experiencing, is a fear and anxiety of his little lab group of Elisha and Elijah and the other prophets is going to get split up. And Elisha doesn't even want to talk about it. When the prophets at, at Bethel and at Jordan, at Jericho, say, you know that, that the Lord is going to take Elijah away today, right? He said, don't even talk about it. I don't want to talk about this because in some ways I am afraid. Elisha has never done this prophetic ministry on his own. To lose his master is something he doesn't even want to talk about. He'd rather pretend it's not going to happen at all. And yet, it is going to happen. And to Elisha's credit, whenever Elijah tells him, the Lord has called me to go to the next step on the journey, Elisha's response is the same. As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. These are powerful words, and they certainly can come from a place of fear, but it gets turned into a commitment for Elisha. Elisha, who has already burned his plow and eaten the oxen that they used to plow with, he has left his entire old life behind to follow Elijah, to take up the prophetic ministry, to do what God has called him to do. And yet, he makes this commitment, I will not leave you with some amount of trepidation. And that's why when they get to the point where they're about to be separated, that Elijah is to be called up to heaven, Elisha's request is that he receive a double portion of his spirit, a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Now, a double portion of one's inheritance was elected for the firstborn. And there's even a law in Deuteronomy 21 saying you can't even play favorites with who your firstborn is. If a man has multiple wives, he can't take the firstborn son of his favorite wife and give that one the double portion of his inheritance. It has to be the true firstborn. There's no playing favorites with this. The double portion of one's inheritance goes to the firstborn. Except what Elisha is asking Elijah for 
isn't really in Elijah's power to give because he asks him for a double portion of his spirit. And this is the spirit of God that has been poured out on Elijah that has anointed him as prophet. And now Elisha asks for a double portion that I can not only, Elijah, follow in your footsteps, that I can not only continue on in the path that you have started, Israel, on of leading the people back to the Lord, but I need more than that because I can't do this on my own. I need a double portion of your spirit to even be half the prophet you were. I need a double portion of your spirit. But the words that he repeats through all of his dedication, his commitment, and his following, even in the midst of fear and anxiety, is, I will not leave you. Whether we're going from Bethel to Jericho to the Jordan to the very ends of the earth, I will not leave you. I am committed to you. I am with you to the end of the line. I will not leave you. In our culture, we often think of I love you as the three most important words that we say to people, and they are important. They are meaningful. But sometimes we can say them without a lot behind them. They can be overused, as any word or phrase can. But what does it mean to say, I will not leave you? Those five words. I am committed to you beyond the shadow of a doubt. I will not leave you. I will not turn to the right or to the left, but I will follow you on the dry ground right through the Jordan that has been parted. I will not leave you. For Elijah, too, to receive those words is an encouragement and hope. Elijah has spent much of his life thinking that he's the only one left, that he's the only one who's faithful, and yet at the final steps that Elijah takes on this earth, Elisha thrice over says to him, I will not leave you. Can you imagine what that would be like to be Elijah, to know that your life had meaning and impact and that the good work that you started would continue because someone is with you to the end of the line and they'll continue even after you move on. Elisha makes that commitment. It makes me wonder what are the things in life that are very evident that we follow with dedication Things that people can say they will not leave following X, Y, or Z. One of the easiest things to spot for most of us is what sports team we follow because we wear their jerseys. We're, we're up on the latest and greatest of their games. We, we know their statistics. We're watching which players are coming into their lineup or which players are going off. It's easy to find who somebody follows and to know that a dedicated fan, even to uh, teams like some in Detroit that don't always do very well, to know I will not leave you. Sorry, Jed. I will not leave you. Through thick and thin, through good and bad, I will not leave you. I will be with you. This is the type of commitment that Elisha makes. And it's even one that he makes knowing that he can't uphold it permanently, that it's not going to be done perfectly, and that it won't be done forever because the very thing that he doesn't even want to talk about is going to happen. Elijah is going to be taken from him, but Elisha is going to stay with him every step of the way. The impact that that has on someone to know that you are with them, the hope and encouragement that that brings. I don't think it's any coincidence, but God's providential hand that we have Barnabas Ministries sharing this morning 
to know that what matters the most for some people is to know that there is at least one person in this world who says, I will not leave you. I care about you. I'm going to watch over you. I will not leave you. Who did that for you? I remember one time when Barnabas was here uh, sharing at North Holland, and my parents actually had come up that weekend, and that was the first time I had heard the phrase, throw away youth. It was from Barnabas Ministries. Throw away youth. Those who have no one who says, I will not leave you. I'm going to stay with you. And I just remember seeing my parents in the narthex after church and being overwhelmed to know the gift that I didn't earn or deserve that I had been given. But to think of how that was given to me freely and to be able to give that to others, that commitment and assurance, I will not leave you. I am with you. Elisha will go on to be a great prophet. He's Actually, I I like Elisha even a little bit better than Elijah, so I'm excited for us to move into 2 Kings. But as we watch his prophetic ministry take over, we rest knowing that he made a commitment, one that he wouldn't be able to keep perfectly or permanently, but that also our faithfulness rests actually on God's faithfulness. Because we might be able to say those words, I will not leave you, and they are meaningful and important and need to be not only said, but also lived into in word and thought and deed. But also that God made that promise to us. That when Jesus Christ was with his disciples before his ascension, he said, I will not leave you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will not leave you. To know that the Lord has been with Elijah and that the Lord will be with Elisha, that it is the Lord who is saying to them, I will not leave you. That when we get to Bethel, one of the places where God first spoke to the people of Israel, that God reminds us, I will not leave you. I will not stop speaking to you. That when they get to the the Jericho, where the walls of Jericho were once the greatest imaginable obstacle, and God brought the walls tumbling down because God has made a promise, I will not leave you no matter what wall you're up against, no matter what formidable foe is in your path, I will not leave you. I am with you, says the Lord your God, as surely as the Lord lives, he is with us and will never leave us or forsake us. And when the people get to Jordan, when Elijah and Elisha get to the Jordan, that place where the people of Israel entered into the promised land, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness because they had made mistakes, they had messed up, God refreshed his covenant to them and saying, I will not leave you, and I will lead you across the Jordan on dry ground, just as I led you out of Egypt on dry ground. Because the Lord promises in perfect faithfulness, I will not leave you. There is no wall or obstacle or amount of silence or body of water that can separate us from the love of God or that can void and nullify that promise that Jesus Christ made to us, I will not leave you. So as we commit our lives to Christ, as we say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you with all that I am, with my head, my heart, my mind, my heart, my body, soul, mind, and strength, I will follow you. I will not leave you. Jesus whispers back and says, occasionally you will. Occasionally you will get strayed to the right or to the left. Occasionally you're going to mess up. But I receive all that you give that you can follow me with 
But just know that it is the Lord who says to us, that Jesus Christ who says to us when we commit our lives to him, I will not leave you. No matter what happens, I will be with you. Elisha then takes Elijah's cloak and asks a question. And I wonder what was going through his mind. I wonder if this was said out of demonstration or out of true concern or wonder. But he takes Elijah's cloak, the cloak that was the symbol of anointing, of passing the baton from Elijah to Elisha. He takes his cloak, he strikes the ground, and the Jordan River parts when Elisha asks, Where now is the Lord our God? Where is the God of Elijah? And when the Jordan is parted again, it is as if God responds in saying, I am with you. I will not leave you. Just as Elijah exited the promised land through the Jordan, which would be symbolically frightening for the people of God to know it's like the voice of God, the primary mouthpiece of the Lord to God's people has exited the promised land. That would be symbolically frightening to see Elisha come back in to know that the ministry of the prophet, that witness of the word of the Lord, will continue. And that God's resounding refrain to us is, I will not leave you. It's fair week in two weeks. Some of the people we meet and know are people that are our friends. We know them from Harlem, from South Olive, from Nordalos, from 4-H, from other gatherings, from schools. But there's also a group that we reach out to while we're there, They usually come for breakfast. It's a lot of our people who live a life on the road. It's the the carnies, the, the, the food truck vendors, people who sometimes need to be reminded that there is someone who cares about them. I will not leave you. If we all got together and shared stories about meaningful conversations at the fair, we'd be here a long time. I have mine, you have yours. Let's commit to making another one this year. Convey to someone who needs to know that Jesus cares about them and that Jesus will not leave them. Meet with one of those people. Talk with them and give them their food, definitely. But care for them. Reach out to them in word and thought and deed. How do we live into the spirit of this text? We can do it at the fair week. We can do it as we remember the work of Barnabas Ministries. And we can do it by remembering who in our life, maybe we need to remind someone that we won't leave them. That things have maybe been a little bit rocky lately. And that maybe we need to follow up with someone and remind them, you know what, we've had our differences, but I will not leave you. I am with you. Reach out to them this week and either reconcile or reconnect and affirm that you will not leave them. Who do you need to check in with? Because deep down, you're afraid. You have that question of just asking, are we good? Is everything okay? Ask them and make it happen this week. Maybe you can't think of any of those folks, but we can live into the same spirit of this text through gratitude, thinking of the people in your life who have been with you, who have cared for you, who have invested in you. Call them, write them a letter, talk to them. I would say in in terms of gratitude, think of at least three people who have not left you. And if they're dead, thank God for them. And then find someone else to invest in, to pass on the blessing that you so freely received, so you shall freely give. And maybe as we reflect on the 
confession that Pastor Audrey led us in. What area of your life do you need to give over to God that you sometimes get afraid and can't trust that God did say, I will not leave you? Find that area in your life and give it to God and remind yourself that God will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Do that every day this week. Elisha wasn't sure what to do without Elijah. But the response in 2 Kings 2, 1 through 14 was simply that God communicated, I, the Lord your God, was with Elijah. And I, the Lord your God, am with you. And I will not leave you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray.